Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available on my website and on Amazon. In fact, it's already a number one new release and a bestseller on Amazon. I'm really excited about this book because it is not actually a book. It is a guided journal for leaders that will take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you will reflect on a different facet of that theme. Now, this journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon to pick up your copy today. If you're looking for other ways to support what I do on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com and podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that is it. Today, my guest is David Hollenbach. David is a U.S. Navy veteran, retired fire department battalion chief, author, and podcast host. He has written a new book called Fireproof, which is helping people overcome failure, find their true purpose, and achieve their life's goals. This was an inspiring conversation that I know you're going to enjoy. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by David Hollenbach. David is a speaker, coach, author, podcast host, and mentor. He is a U.S. Navy veteran and retired fire department battalion chief. He is the author of a new book called Fireproof, Your Grand Strategy for Transforming Failure into Fuel for Your Future. This book helps anyone seeking to overcome their limiting beliefs and achieve their life goals even after a failure. This book helps readers uh, uncover their core values and discover their true life's purpose. And I'm excited to have them on the show today. So Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, John. I I really, really appreciate you having me on. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation and, uh, you know, a couple of shipmates (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. I love I love having veteran veterans on the show, but Navy veterans, it you know, it's it's two times better than that, just because of <laughs> that common experience. So I love yeah. it. Um, and um, I think maybe you might be the first. I mean, obviously, we're all trained as firefighters in the Navy, but you might be the true first firefighter that I've had on the show. So uh, and a lot of people who uh, a lot of a lot of fire chiefs actually read my books and I get a lot of input from from people uh, that are in the fire service. So this is really exciting to get someone who's been in that service and, uh, and and is led in that area. So I'm excited to have you on the show for that purpose. So let's just go ahead and get started. So first of all, tell us about your background. You you start out in the Navy, and then right after the Navy, you went right into the fire service. You spent a long time there. Why did you choose that route? Why the Navy, and then why did you go into the fire service right after that? Um, well, 
my dad, when, when, uh, when I was born, I was born in the Navy hospital, um, at Orlando Naval training center. Yes. Uh, that, you know, it doesn't exist anymore, but that's, uh, I was stationed there for six months. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I grew up right, right down the road. Um, and so, I, you know, I grew up with Navy being a part of my uh, history, you know, my heritage. And I had aspirations of going to the Naval Academy. I, um, I became a, a sea cadet started off in the Navy league and then went into being a sea cadet. So, uh, when I, uh, ended up not getting the grades, uh, and <laughs> it was just being able to get into the Naval Academy is just an incredible feat in and of itself. So kudos to those that, that make it. Um, I was not one of them. Uh, I ended up enlisting and became a gas turbine mechanic. Um, I had broke my leg uh, when I was in high school, a really bad break, had a lot of surgeries to repair it. And I wasn't able to enlist initially. So I was going to college, taking fire science classes, all that stuff, trying to just I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps in some way. Um, and so that was the other thing. After my dad got out of the Navy, he became a firefighter. And I grew up with him being a, a firefighter. And just, so your, your, your dad was in the Navy and a firefighter. So that probably explains a little bit of the motivation behind it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And uh, and so I, I ended up enlisting in the Navy and breaking my leg oh. while I was in A school, I never actually got to a ship. Mm. Um, I spent 14 months in Great Lakes, and uh, <laughs> and that was that was my Navy career. <laughs> well, my son is there now. He's trying to escape Great Lakes. He's been there a year, a year and a half from boot camp to all his schools, and he's trying to escape right now. So he's uh, finally getting to his next training station but yeah he's in a lot of spent a lot of time there so two winters is not fun in great lakes yeah yeah no that's that's a rough place to spend winter <laughs> yeah absolutely so you you got out you got out of the service and then you went right right to work for for a fire department it sounds like well no no not exactly i i got out and um as you can imagine uh that that dream of being a sailor and, and traveling the world. And uh, when, when I was discharged, that was a pretty hard pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I got back home, um, you know, I, I spent some time feeling sorry for myself and uh, <laughs> doing construction. Um, and it was actually when I, when I was learning how to, uh, how to finish concrete, uh, is when I'm like, yeah, you know, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, those, those jobs tend to make you change your career or start thinking differently about your future when you're doing those hard labor jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went back to school, uh, finished my associate's degree and then 
decided to go to the fire academy and, and pick up where I had left off uh, when I joined the Navy. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, that, oh, that was the part that I left out. When I was in college, I got launched off of a, a tractor fender. Um, I, I did a, uh, I was in a work study program taking care of the baseball fields at the college. And one day I was riding on the fender of the tractor that we would drag the infield with. And uh, the guy driving, he was going pretty fast into the outfield of this particular practice field where there was a good dip. And I just launched off the fender. And when I landed, uh, one of the screws that was in my in the top of my tibia backed out. And that was that was what was preventing me from enlisting. I got to get all the hardware removed. And once I healed up, I was allowed to enlist with a medical waiver. Um, and, you know, the medical waiver essentially says if you if you damage this leg, we're not responsible and you will be discharged. And then uh, in a school, I, I fell on the stairs. Well, so we were all running up the stairs to get to the showers wintertime after PT just to get a little bit of hot water and somebody's knee hit my heel. I tripped and a bunch of guys fell on top of me, broke the same dang leg. And, uh, and I ended up getting discharged at, I finished a school, uh, graduated second in my class, thought maybe they would let me, uh, kind of skate through. And I, I had orders to go to Yakuska and um, when I went to do the overseas screening, that's when they caught me. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, that's the way it goes sometimes with the Navy. So, but let's, so you were, so you got in the fire service and um, you moved up fairly quickly. I mean, you know, looking at your career, you moved up very quickly and then you end up being in, you know, um, you know, being this the chief, you know, battalion chief in the department. What would you attribute you moving up so quickly throughout your career? What was it that uh, that that you would say was the one thing that allowed you to move up like that? Well, uh, <laughs> the the first part of my career, I was a firefighter, uh, obviously, and um, I made some mistakes early on. You know, I I felt like I was a really really good firefighter, but I was young and I was pretty cocky, and uh, I think I was a little bit full of myself. And, you know, sometimes, and there's a saying that I have on my website and um, it's be humble or be humbled. Mm -hmm. uh, and life has a way of, of humbling you when, uh, when you don't take it upon yourself. <laughs> so I, uh, I was kind of a, a cocky young firefighter and um was very good at what I did, and the the uh, see it was December thirty first two thousand. I was celebrating, had too much to drink, got pulled over, uh, was arrested for a DUI, and then ultimately I was uh, terminated from the fire department. Um, 
I went through the grievance process and was reinstated. Uh, but that experience was very humbling. Um, like a wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the, so when I, I was ultimately terminated in July of 2001 on September 8th, I fell off of a three-story apartment building. I was working on the roof and I fell off it and, uh, broke my back. Um, on, on the morning of September 11th, I was laying on my couch high on painkillers thinking that what was happening was just a movie. Mm. And when I sobered up a little bit, um, that's when I learned that uh, a lot of my brother firefighters had, had died that morning and there was nothing I could do. Um, and that was the last time I ever took a narcotic. Uh, the rest of my recovery, I took ibuprofen and uh, Celebrex. Those were you know, anti-inflammatories that I used to help minimize the pain. Um, but that was uh, that experience. And then the alternative to actually working in the fire department was doing uh, roofing, construction, you know, framing, all that stuff. Uh, and when I got reinstated, I, I approached everything with a whole new attitude and a whole new appreciation Um because I had, I had already lost it once. I didn't want to lose it again. And I, I embarrassed my family and, uh, you know, my dad having retired from that same department. Here I am. I'm the third. So I got his name and my grandfather's name. And here I am, uh, you know, dragging it through the mud with my um, immature behavior. So I didn't want... Uh, the rest of my career to end up like that. Uh, so I worked really, really hard. Um, I, I just, everything I did, I, I did with a purpose. I wanted to be the best at everything that I did. But I also wanted to help those around me achieve the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a way of helping me stay centered and stay focused on, you know, it, it wasn't about me. It was about the job and about helping the people in the community on their worst day. So I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be that guy that when I arrived on scene, it wasn't just the citizen that was going, Oh, you know, this guy looks like he knows what he's doing, but the, the other firefighters would have that opinion of me like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that he's here. Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to achieve that, you, I mean, you have to be really, really good at, at your chosen profession, regardless of what it is. Um, and, and so, I, 
I, I feel like I did a pretty good job. Um, and it just led into promotions. Um, you know, you gotta, if you want to make changes, you got to move up where you have a little more influence. And when, when you move up, you have to work really hard at mastering that position before you go to the next one. And I just worked really, really hard at each position that I held so that not only could I operate in that, but I could teach somebody else how to be really, really good at it. You remember a point where you went from where you realize that I'm no longer like a doer, I'm more of a leader, you know, because as you start off, you're most of us in our careers, we're doers, right? But as we progress, and we move up, our job responsibilities change, and we do less doing, and we do more leading. Did you feel like, did you remember the part, the time in your career where you say, well, I, really, it's more about influence, it's more about teaching, it's more about directing, and less about how great I am inside the building, wearing the gear, and putting out the fire. Do you remember that moment, and and what did you think through that process? Well, how, what was your transformation like becoming a leader? Well, uh, there's two, two actual um two very profound events or timeframes that I, I could talk about. So the first one would be when I went from being the, the driver operator, the engineer on a fire truck to being the Lieutenant, to being responsible for a fire station, the, the equipment and the crew. Um, my first station, the crew there was established they were senior people. Mm. My driver had, was, you know, getting close to retirement. And she had spent the bulk of her career in special operations. So she was a wealth of knowledge that, you know, when I came into that station, I'm looking at these people and their experience. And I'm like, man, why in the world would they follow me anywhere? Yeah. And when that I mean, that was a huge smack in the face. Like, man, I, I might have taken this position a little early. Mm -hmm. And that's when I actually uh, found this leadership video online. It was uh, actually um, the School of Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. And, uh, and funny enough, that Leadership Academy is named after Admiral James Stockdale. Um, well, there was a Marine Corps colonel that was talking to a group of midshipmen before their graduation. And he does this talk on uh, the three C's of leadership, um, competence, courage, and compassion. And when I listened to that, that uh, lecture, that's when I'm like, all right, this is what I got to do. And, and, and that one, that piece was the competence part. The people that you're leading want to know that you know your job really, really well, or you're working really hard at getting, at getting good at it. Um, and the only way that they can come to that conclusion is by your actions. You can talk all day long, but that doesn't mean anything if they don't see it. 
We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. And then the next step, all right, because in that position as lieutenant, I'm still operating in in some capacity on the fire ground where I'm actually doing work and getting dirty, not to the same degree as a firefighter, but still to some degree. When I made battalion chief, that's when I was responsible for six fire stations and all those people. And then being the one that is ultimately in charge of uh, operations on a big incident. So that's when you have to really trust that the people inside are carrying out what you ask them to do and that they're operating within the SOPs and um, just the way that you handle that as a leader is by building those relationships before you ever get to that point and, and knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are and working really hard at developing them so that you know what you're getting when you ask them to do something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're, you're no longer, it's like the coach, you, the coach can't be on the field. You know, you've got to train your people, you got to recruit, train, develop, and then you got to step off the field. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, to step off the field and trust the people that you have in your group to be able to carry out your actions, especially when you're on the sidelines and you, you're you not in the building, you're not in, you know, you know, in there. And it's hard sometimes. I know for myself, you know, it's hard because I, I know how to do things and you want to jump in and you want to help, but you also have to let your people bring out their best and bring their best to, to the table and, uh, yeah. So it's, but it is hard to make that transition and to sort of let go and, uh, and trust the people that you've trained. It's, uh, but yeah, it sounds like you had to do that. You couldn't, you know, the uh, battalion chief doesn't go running into the fire first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <Nope. laughs> so. uh, actually one of the, this is a, a really cool story. The, one of the last big fires that I was on, um, I got assigned as uh, uh, the, division three so i was on the third floor of this apartment complex there was already a battalion chief on scene that had established command and because this fire became a a second alarm you know another battalion chief was added and an assistant chief so i get there on scene and immediately get assigned to the operations on the third floor where i'm managing a lot of crews um and it was uh it was like, oh man, this is so, you know, you, you're yeah. a kid again. Like you get to get a little bit dirty. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's good. That's interesting. Um, so I want to talk about your book. Cause I think that's, uh, that's going to be really, uh, really kind of something to talk about here. That's important. You've got a new book. It's called fireproof 
Now, what, why did you feel the need or why were you compelled to write this book? Who is it for? Well, it started off as a leadership book for the fire service. Right. And shortly after, you know, 2019 was a really tough year for me. And I, I was struggling with PTSD and I made some, some pretty big mistakes in my personal life that ultimately resulted in me being terminated a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I left the fire department at that point, I had enough time in that I could retire, uh, but I had to do a lot of reflecting, like, you know, who am I? And like, you know, I knew the decisions that I made were not consistent with my values. And I really had to, to dig deep and, and like, man, I, maybe I'm not the man I thought I was, you know, and um, ultimately, you know, I, I had to take care of my mental health. I had to deal with the PTSD and really I had spent so much of my life identifying as a fire department professional, you know, that that yeah. was my identity. Yeah. And now I'm no longer that. Yeah. And you start, well, and who, who am I? Yeah. And at that point is when I really started reading a lot of philosophy and, um, you know, found these, this program at Yale. Um, it was the grand strategy program at Yale University that uh, I found a book written by its founder. Um, and I read that book and I just started really, the program intrigued me and I wanted to learn as much as I could. And essentially what it is, is it's a program to develop future world leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and they study literature uh, on strategy from the past. You know, they all the books like, you know, The Art of War, On War by Clausewitz, and uh, the, the Prince by Machiavelli, and the history of the Peloponnesian War, and all these books. But, you know, it's not exactly applicable to this day and age. But you can see how these world leaders throughout time have made decisions. What was their logic? What was their thinking process? And what, what kind of things can you use out of those pieces of literature and apply them to what you're doing now? And it just brings this, uh, this other layer. And, and I was thinking, you know, if I could apply this to my own life and, and look at all of these writings from history's greatest thinkers and religious leaders and philosophers, and what, what do they feel is the meaning of life? What is the purpose? Why are we here? You know, and how can you identify, well, like how how can you, sit there and say, this is my identity. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after going through that process myself, I found that there's, you know, some common threads through 
through time. Uh, and, and I wanted to apply that to my book about leadership because one of the things, and I, I'm sure you would agree with this, is that when you're in a leadership position, if you're not really good at leading yourself, you're not going to be very successful at leading others. Oh, yeah. I talk about this a lot. It's the put your mask on first before helping others, right? You can't you can't be helping your team if you are dealing with your own challenges, right? So it's it's mental, it's spiritual, it's physical, it's financial. You know, are you taking care of those things? You know, your your family, your are you taking care of that? You know, and if if you do have that solid foundation, then you're able to help teach, train, stretch yourself. You can handle the, the the storms when they come because you're you've got a firm foundation. But when you let that slip, it's really important. I know you, and you, it's what you're talking about is that you then become vulnerable. You're not as you, you're not as good at being a leader when you're dealing with some sort of stressor outside of work and it does affect you and i'm talking from experience having been a leader for 30 years i've had points in my life where certain legs are, are falling down you know whether it was physical or whether it was spiritual or or, or emotional you know or financial those things you they, they get you off kilter and then your mind is focused on other things you can't be present with your team yeah a big part of it is uh, to lead yourself first. That's a big part of leadership. And it sounds like you recognize that through all this research. And, and as you started applying and thinking about your life, it's like, this, these are, these are very important foundational issues. You got to know, yeah, take care of yourself, but you also have to know yourself and know, you know, what, what do I want to be? What's my mission in life? Or, you know, where do I want to be? What's my why, as you say in the book, right? Yeah. 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 The, uh, you know, that concept of self-leadership wasn't foreign to me. Um, and and when I had these big failures, I I would go, man, you know, I know better. Like, mm. what what is my issue here? And when you start looking at what drives you, what is it that you're you're looking for in your day-to-day? And we're all looking for one thing, happiness, you know, that, that sense of well-being, uh, satisfaction, being comfortable, but a sense being happy. Mm-hmm. And when you're struggling with PTSD and you're denying that you're having issues, you're chasing this dopamine fix, that's you know, veterans and first responders, divorce rates are really, really high. Oh, very high. Absolutely. One of the reasons I got out, by the way, (laughs) I kind of like my wife. I want to stay with her. (laughs) So, yeah. But you find that your, your relationships suffer, Mm. start self-medicating or, you know, risky behavior where, you know, there's adrenaline junkies. They do stupid stuff just to get that that thrill, get that endorphin rush. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, infidelity. You, you get a little bit of attention from somebody from, uh, you know, somebody that you're attracted to. They show you a little bit of attention. You're like, oh, well, that feels good. Let me see where this goes when you know better. 
um, you know, gambling. There's all these things where we get that that dopamine hit, and it we're chasing the wrong thing. Yeah, it's false. It's 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 a short term short term high, but it's the long term. It's going to lead to you're not you're you're leaving you know, issues unresolved when you're doing that. And you're just sort of putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound and you're not solving it. You're just sort of medicating it and, and hoping it'll get better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I came to the conclusion that I, I just, I was living my life with a very short-sighted, uh, perspective. You know, I wasn't playing the long game. Mm-hmm. I was all about the here and now. And, and so I started just developing this plan for myself and it was separate from my book. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, <laughs> this is really good. I need to put this in the book. Um, this is a lot better than what I was writing uh, because this is going to be developing a leader that has a self-awareness uh, and a purpose. Like they're going to know their purpose beyond their occupation. They're going to know their purpose and, and they can help others find theirs and lift them up. And that's, that's really what I, I feel like that's what it's all about. For for me, that's what it's all about is helping others. You know, you, you add value to yourself so that you are better equipped to add value to those that you're leading. And I think that's where the real satisfaction and the real happiness comes in. It's when you're able to improve somebody else's life and you're able to help them achieve their version of success as a leader, that's, that's the top, that's the pinnacle right there. When the people that you're leading achieve their version of success, that's when you can feel like you've achieved something, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's no longer about you. I always say when you're the leader, it's about, you know, it's about the mission and the team. It's no longer about you. And, and uh, if you do those things right, you know, you're, you know, I always say, if you take care of the mission, you take care of the people, you know, the good things will happen. You know, you, you don't have to, there's some people that just focus on climbing the corporate ladder, right? And they don't care about the people necessarily or the mission. They just care about their own political career, you know, to, you know, to get up the ladder. But what I've seen is those people met, move up a few rungs, but then they always kind of fall. It's the people that care about the people and the mission. Those are the ones that end up being, you know, getting, getting more and more opportunities to do it at a bigger level. And uh, that makes a lot of sense. Knowing your why, I think it's really important. Sounds like you, through this process, found your why, and uh, it ends, ended up in this book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it, it's a process to to really figure out your own. Um, it, and it's it's just taking a little bit of time to look in internally, you know, and and answer some tough questions for yourself. You know, um, I, I know. Like I've I've given a lot of the books away. I've provided quite a few copies to to people, and just to get their feedback. And some 
do the work in the book and they love it. And then others are like, it's a great book, man, but I'm, I'm not in a place where I'm ready to look at that. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. <laughs> yeah. I get it. No, I get it. Cause uh, you're right. I mean, you're, if you're in those, that, that, that in that situation where you're, you know, you don't want to break free of those short-term fixes that you put yourself in. A lot of times people unfortunately have to hit rock bottom before they come out of it. And the smart people will put a stop to it. They'll figure out, I got to stop this before I hit rock bottom, you know, and those, the, those, and and this book is going to help people to find that those that are willing to open the, open the cover, read through it, they're going to get that direction that, okay, maybe this is telling me I, I need to stop. I need to rethink and I need to fi- figure out why am I here? What do I want to do? What's my true purpose in life? And, and this is a good book for that because you're, you're sharing a lot of your experiences from your career throughout the whole process. So Dave, this has been fantastic. Where can people find out more about you and this new book? Um, everything is on my website. All of my social media links are on the very first page of the website, top corner. Uh, it's hollenbachleadership.com. And you can find my book on there. You can find my podcast. Everything is on there. So have at it. And if anybody has any questions for me personally, I I do read the messages on my social media. I will be the one that responds to them. So (laughs) fantastic. Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that uh, people can find you. And Dave, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your experiences and this exciting new book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to your audience. Yeah, thank you again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.